like, oh, the day my baby turns four months, they're not going to sleep anymore because everything changes. And that's totally not the case. Like starting at six weeks, the baby starts making their own melatonin where before they just were having it from the mom. With people, when we talk about birth experiences, they might be minimizing their trauma because we've been taught intergenerationally that this is just how it is. Right. Oh yeah, like the doctor made that decision, didn't talk to you about it, of course. Or, oh yeah, you know, they used an implement that was extremely painful for you and uh, often unnecessary. That's just what they had to do, right? There's a normalization of trauma doesn't mean that it's any less traumatic. And everything would just get solved with birth control pills. But I kept feeling like this is counterproductive. Right. Grandmother, my great grandmother had 10 kids. Mm. My paternal grandmother had nine. So in my head, I'm thinking, you know, this, this is black people don't have this issue. I've mm. never heard of black people having this issue. Hey, welcome to the Push Through Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Reeves. I'm a licensed professional counselor here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I own a group practice where we specialize in women's issues, maternal mental health, and all things wellness. Here on the podcast, we're going to be talking about parenthood, how to take care of yourself, and a little bit of in-between things. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a quick chat with me. And now a quick word from our sponsor. If you're like me, sometimes you can struggle with being able to be your best. If you have a business that you're running, if you're working a job, if you're a stay-at-home mom and you have children, you want to be fully present, you want to have the energy, and some days it's just difficult. Well, I would like to introduce you to Magic Mind. This is a product that I was introduced to and it has helped me deal with all of the nuances that I have thrown at me in the day, but to manage my stress, manage my focus, and have this really calming effect. The prolonged benefits is that it gives mental energy and focus. Um, It improves your coffee. If you're a coffee drinker like me and you're putting it in your coffee and you can be able to function throughout the whole day without a crash. It also helps to make you more productive. It allows you to sleep better, less stress and anxiety. And if you can believe it or not, it also helps with memory and being more creative. If you're wondering like, how could it possibly all do this? What's, What's inside of this? It's all natural ingredients. It includes Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Push Through Podcast. I am super excited to introduce my next guest, Kelsey Mazell. She is a Georgia licensed professional counselor. She's also licensed in Arizona, Florida. She is certified in perinatal mental health. She also has a certificate in the art of holding perinatal women in distress. She does brain spotting and the mother-centric approach. Thank you for coming on the show, Kelsey. Hey, thank you. That was um, a long intro. <laughs> um, and I also want to add that Kelsey owns a practice called Like a Mother. We're going to get into her work and all of the wonderful things that she has coming up. But first, Kelsey, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, you seem to cover most of the professional pieces. Um, <laughs> So I am a therapist. I've been a therapist for almost 10 years now. Um, Mm -hmm. And I 
went to University of Georgia, a double dog for undergrad and graduate. I live in Atlanta. I am married with a four-year-old and two dogs. Um, and I guess some of the basics, things I like to do. One, I love supporting moms and women in particular, um, whether that's in therapy or other ways. And I cannot go without a cup of coffee <laughs> or four <laughs> in a day. Um, and I love to be outside, That's even fun. on days like today where it's rainy. I know, right? I uh, didn't know that you went to UGA. Are you a <gasps> Georgia native? Um, I moved around a lot growing up. Um, my dad worked for a corporate company, so I was more of like an expat kid. Mm. So we lived in Europe and Canada for a while. Oh, wow. But Georgia um, is home base. That's awesome. How was Athens for you? Oh, loved it. I miss oh. it. Yes. I mean, I don't think I was one of the people that was destined to be a townie. I had some good friends that I went to school with that are still townies, and I love them for that. Um, mm -hmm. But being in Athens was a joy. Like I love the small community feel yeah. like college town. I will say I like football. I don't love it. Like my husband. Oh, black <laughs> um, for me. <laughs> yes. Um, and it's funny because he did not go to Georgia and he is to this day confused as to how I spent six days there, six days, <laughs> six years, <laughs> six years there. Um, and don't have the same amount of enthusiasm that he does, but I think he, has, <laughs> he has enough for both of us. Oh, that's good. He has enough for both mm -hmm. of you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, okay. So you have a four-year-old. Had you always imagined yourself as a mother? Yes. It's, it's funny. Like, cause I've been reflecting on motherhood a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, as we do, I think in this phase of life. Um, I always imagined myself being, being a mom and growing up, I, I knew I wanted to help people and I knew I wanted to be a mom and I love being a mom now. And also what I've been reflecting a lot on is how hard it is and how for a long period of time, I think I had this timeline of like, when I was supposed to get married, when I was supposed to have a kid. And I didn't end up following that timeline because it mm -hmm. turns out that I was a little naive and thinking like married by 24, like my mom and all my babies before 30. Um, and now just having one at 34, I think it's this idea of like, okay, timing worked out. And like the way that I came into motherhood, although it was unexpected um, or maybe later, than I had anticipated that it has felt better, mm -hmm. I think, this way. Um, yeah. It's it's interesting sometimes, like, because I, I was like you as well, where I had this timeline and this plan, but the way that things play out is almost, like, for the better. Like, it, it works out the way that it should work out, because sometimes, like, <sighs> you had gone the, the actual timeline you would have wanted, then you may have not had accomplished some of the goals or met some of the people that you would have met mm -hmm had some of the experiences. So it's interesting how the universe kind of 
makes things happen when they're supposed to happen. Yes, very much so. And there's definitely gratitude in that because thinking about how hard being a mom is now at times, I can't imagine being five years younger with a four-year-old or with more children. Yeah, absolutely. When I think about my own mom, she was 18 when she had my oldest brother. I could not imagine being a mom. And you know, like her day was kind of like you graduate from high school, you get married, you have a kid. So she was following, you know, that trend. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting, which who would you say were your maternal influences growing up? Growing up, it probably would have been my mom. Um, So, and that kind of feeds into one of the things I was going to say is that I think the timeline that I was hoping to follow was hers. And she was 24 when she got married, 25 when she had her first, and she had three kids before 30. Wow. Um, And that's definitely something where I'm like, okay, I'm good that I did not have three kids before 30. Um, And so growing up because we moved around so much, um, I mean, we had good friends and good family and good family that were around, but not necessarily consistently because we moved every like three to four years. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my mom was that person for me. She was the person that picked up um, like picked up for us, I guess, like because my dad was working a lot and um, we needed to go different places. She was the one who took up a lot of that primary caregiver responsibility mm-hmm. um, and really showed up That's awesome. for us in that. Yeah. Were there anything like about her approach to motherhood that you felt like you wanted to incorporate? Yeah. I mean, and that's where it's harder because I think as you get older, how do I say this? Um, as you get older, you start to realize that your parents are human. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that is not a bad thing in any way. I yeah. still love my mom. I still care for her so much and I appreciate all that she's done. And at the same time, it's interesting to see the things that she did yeah. and how I want to be similar and some ways that I want to be different. Yeah. Um, and so one of the biggest things was watching her model a lot of resilience, um, watching her model kind of picking up and kind of doing what we needed to do, whether that was kind of moving to a different city or moving to a different country and really incorporating how important the family was and to be there together, even though it was difficult. Mm. Um, Like, and her being able to kind of help support me and my siblings through that as it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Like to your point, she was only human. She herself, I'm sure, had to adapt to the moves mm-hmm. and the change and the pivot. Yeah. And then also be like an anchor for her kids as well as they adjust. And yeah. you know, we we're naturally have our reactions to that and are processing that. Um so that's cool that she was able to be that way for you. Yeah. And that I really appreciate that reflection because that's that's what I felt and experienced at the time. And then now growing up, knowing that she was human, being able to see that she was going through kind of a parallel process of what we were going through and 
again, can't go back in time. But like curiosity is about like, what would have it been like if she had been that anchor? Because I don't think that would have changed. And mm -hmm. I knew how hard it was for her at the time. Mm -hmm. um, as an adult, there's part of me that's like, man, that would have been really great. Right. And like, I don't necessarily know what 12 year old Kelsey would have needed. Right. Because yeah. she was doing the best she could with what she had to. Right. As as we all are, you know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We all are. Um, you've mentioned that your own motherhood um journey has inspired you to become certified in maternal mental health. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So this fits into so, so much of what we're already talking about, which is this idea of how I anticipated motherhood to show up for me versus how it actually happened. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, there was a lot of un unexpected change. Um, so when I was pregnant with my son, my husband is actually in the military and he was deployed during that period of time. And um, I loved pregnancy, was really enjoyable. And actually, um, he came home or got home, gosh, um, two hours after my son JP was born. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so there was part of me that knew that like he likely wasn't going to be able to show up at the birth. Mm -hmm. um, and... I think as he came home, because we were going through this kind of big him re-entering into our home life transition and me becoming a mom transition, it was really overwhelming. Yeah. Um, and there were parts of me that obviously were so excited for him to be home and so excited to be a mom. And there were parts of me that were feeling really disconnected, like, I've had this baby in my body for nine, 10 months. I've been so excited to meet him. And like, it's all of a sudden, like everything hit me at once. Like, whoa, like I'm a mom now. And I had heard all these stories about how you're supposed to feel connected to your child right away. And like, it felt really um, confusing for a lot of parts of me because it was like, I was connected to him when he was here, but now I don't feel as connected. Um, and so doing what a therapist does, um, I was seeing my own therapist at the time, but like I started kind of doing a lot of research oh. and um, to like what some of these thoughts were, what some of these feelings were and whether or not they were quote unquote normal. Mm -hmm. um, and I found a lot of anecdotal information. I found PSI and just kind of the idea postpartum sport international and like just so much more information about how there are such expectations about what motherhood should be mm -hmm. and how that's not what fits for the majority of moms. Right. Um, and over time, pretty quickly, I started to feel more connected and attached to my son and then, of course, kind of more things came up, which is like, how is the baby supposed to sleep? What feels good for you versus what do all these books say? And it was just 
again, so much information for me. And I found that because I can be very intellectual, because I like research, I was able to parse out like what some of the research says versus like what felt good mm. for me. Um, and I felt like I could really start to lean into like my intuition and what that was. And it also felt like it was against what I guess standard society says, like the baby shouldn't sleep in your bed mm -hmm. um, or like baby should be on a sleep routine. And like that stuff just didn't work <laughs> right, for me or for my baby or for JP. And so I realized like, whoa, if I'm feeling this and I can be pretty in tune to be seeing my own therapist, to be doing my own research and kind of talk myself through this and still have a hard time, I can't imagine how it is for so many other moms there that don't necessarily have the same tools <laughs> that I have. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, like I said, I had already found Postpartum Support International. I realized that they did trainings and I felt really called mm -hmm. to like be a like sharer of yeah. all of this information and like okay how can I help other moms through this big transition mm -hmm. in a way that feels good for them where they can kind of make motherhood their own as opposed to fitting into kind of this outdated or patriarchal mm. narrative of what it should look like I think that's so relatable because it's like you are able to have find, found the path to help and education. And then you want to help others walk down this path versus them suffering alone. And that's good that you were able to like seek out information to help support yourself and that you were already in therapy. Yeah. You know, you had like that, that insight through those challenges. Cause it's, you know, like we talk about for paranormal and anxiety disorders, it's one thing if it's like a pre-existing mental health diagnosis or if it's like hormones or some birth trauma but it's also something else when it's your environment is different or mm -hmm. your relationship or you know just this new concept of life that has changed and how that Absolutely. impacts how was your support back then how was it for you guys it was really good actually so um my sister is my best friend and she mm -hmm. lives down the road like 10 minutes oh, nice. um, from us. And she has two kiddos that I think are five and seven now, but we're like, I don't know, two and four at the mm -hmm. time that my son was born. And so she showed up a lot. She's actually a doula. Um, so she was my birth partner <laughs> actually, um, which was really cool. This is like a side note of like, just thinking about, um, like, I felt like when I did go through birth, even though parts of me felt disconnected, like I felt like I was like, I, ha I had a doula who was a woman. I had my sister who was a doula and like, I, and my mom was there. And like, I just felt this, like these like deep, like tribal connections to like how oh. like women must have like birthed, mm -hmm. um, a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And of course, there were so many pieces of me that were like, I really want my husband to be here to be my birth partner. And it was also like, because of the situation, an awesome opportunity to experience kind of the collective energy of multiple women who have given birth before. Yeah. Um, 
so that was a side note, but in regards to support, my sister was there. My parents were available. Um, my husband's family was really present and I mean, it was hard kind of because we had, we hadn't just moved to Atlanta. Um, we had a lot of friends and community here and we were also, um, out of our group of friends, maybe only two or three of us had had kids before. And the ones that had kids before, when I say before, were like two months before JP was born, <laughs> or like three months. So like the, the couples in our group of friends that had had friends were all like in this similar yeah, phase. And so, together. yeah. And so like that was helpful to mm -hmm. know that we were all in it together and we also couldn't like utilize each other for like, hey, I need you to come do my, yeah, yeah, <laughs> do my laundry I, 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 mm -hmm. um, because you also have a um, two month old, right? Um, and so that was a little difficult. Um, so having my sister around because um, that was her experience was really helpful. That's beautiful. To show up in that way. That's awesome. Um, switching gears a little bit to talk yeah. about your training and your expertise and I know like you've brought this up like when we spoken whenever we were in um group together but I know your therapeutic approach is part internal family systems which I huge believer in um can you tell us a little bit about this approach and how it's helpful to moms absolutely so I'm actually really excited to talk about this because I just I've taken multiple IFS trainings internal family systems, IFS trainings, um, outside of the, um, IFS Institute. Mm -hmm. And I just started my training with them actually mm -hmm. last week. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a more formal experiential training to become like IFS trained because right now I'm IFS informed. Yeah. Um, but the parts work and especially going back to mother centric, um, one really talks about how, and at least with moms in particular, is how there are so many influences on us as parents and as people. And so often we look at ourselves as kind of these singular entities. Mm -hmm. And as much as we are singular, we also have so many different parts to us. And I feel like internal family systems really encompasses the duality, the ambivalence, the both ands of motherhood. Like this idea that a mom can feel so much joy and love when she's with her child. And a mom can also be grieving the she, the her that existed or the person that existed before. Um, and so often, especially with this idea of expectations, there's this idea that like, you shouldn't be grieving. You should be happy. Like, let's just focus on that. Right. And when we do that, we're completely ignoring and, um, shutting down all of these other parts. Um, and so for me, the idea as I've gotten more trained in it has been helping moms and women parents to hold all of these parts mm 
Mm -hmm. um, and recognize that, especially as we have kids, that there are some, there are some parts that show up to kind of protect us, to protect our kids, to keep them safe. And although they're helping, there may be ways to help them step back a little so we can still exist. Mm. Um, like the mother-centric approach talks a lot about mom parts. And um, a mom part in particular is like, let's say you have one kid and then you're pregnant with another one. That what they say, um, family true wellness, is that like you have one mom part for your first kid and you have one mom part for your second kid. Um, and this is a really um, broad description of it, but like that your mom part your, for your first kid may be feeling a lot of guilt. And it's like, mm -hmm. why did you get like, and kind of judging you? Like, why did you get pregnant? If we get pregnant, we can't give our first kid enough attention. Mm -hmm. And so if your first mom part for your first child starts to feel guilty and says like, why are you having the second child? If we have the second child, we can't give our first child enough attention. And then this second mom part is excited, like, oh my gosh, I always wanted a second child and kind of the pull between those. And when we separate them out into parts, it just makes it easier to, to be like, oh, okay. There are two parts of me that are feeling different things and that's okay. That's not bad. I don't have to choose to align with one fully or choose to align with the other. It's just that I'm experiencing both of these at once. And if I access some self energy, I can like give compassion to both. And I can understand like, oh yeah, it makes sense that a part of me is really scared that I might not be able to give my first kid as much attention. And I can be excited to have a second kid that like wow. they can both exist and we can find ways to set. Um, what I think is super fascinating about both of it is because it allows for a mother to have like some relief and not have this this pressure to just be so one-sided or so uniform. Mm -hmm. And it's like making room for all parts and feelings and thoughts of each of them, of each of her. Um, mm -hmm. And it can take away a lot of like that mom guilt. You know how like there could be <gasps> one part that is like, well, I'm supposed to be home and I'm supposed to always be available. Mm -hmm. But then there's this one part that is like, I miss my old life and I really want to go out with my friends and mm -hmm. see them. And both can be present. Like you can love and adore your children and want to be there, but you can also feed to that part that is missing some of the things that you used to do. And you don't have to feel pressure to dismiss or repress or put away that mm -hmm. other part of you, but all, all can coexist. Absolutely. And especially in regards to mom guilt, realizing that that part is trying to keep you safe. This mom guilt part that may show up, some of it's recognizing that there are parts that are also trying to keep us safe or trying to protect us. And going back to some of the societal expectations, the fear of judgments of other people. And it may not be this way for every mom. This may not be how it um, presents or resonates. And I find that there are a lot of moms that experience mom guilt that have this part that shows up and some of it may be recognizing okay that when I feel guilt 
that keeps me at home with my kids more that that fits into this expectation. And then maybe I can avoid judgment from Sally down the street or my mother-in-law that says that mom should stay home with their kids. Right. Um, And it just, I find that it's just a more expansive model and really recognizing how our bodies and our systems work really hard to keep us safe and protect us and that we can kind of put in the work to get to know them and find out, okay, what feels good for me? Mm -hmm. And that like none of us like shame or embarrassment or guilt necessarily. And that we can find ways to still bring compassion to that and know that kind of these are just emotions. They're not bad. <laughs> They're just parts. They're not bad. Um, and really do some work to integrate and get to know ourselves better and in a way that feels maybe more aligned with who we are. What would be your suggestion? Like if it's self-talk, for a mom that is battling like the the I, societal ideas or the negative self-talk of not meeting what her expectations are or the mom guilt do you think that it should be like affirmations should it be journaling of evaluating the different parts or um should it be how she's self-reflective or giving grace mm-hmm. like what where do you think it's like the first step in someone kind of identifying what's going on and how to help soothe those voices. Yeah. So the first step for me, especially if someone isn't necessarily knowledgeable about internal family systems, um, is recognizing and labeling the both and, Mm -hmm. um, that like when a mom comes in and says almost exactly like you said, like, I really want to go hang out with my friends. Like I miss, just being able to pick up and go have dinner on a Friday night. But like my baby's three months old and I am breastfeeding and I need to be there so my baby can feed is some of it's even starting maybe sooner than both and is recognizing the places that we say, but, Mm. and so often when we say, but, we're actually dismissing some of our own experience. And so in that situation, it's like, oh, okay, there's a piece of me, a part of me that really wants to go out with my friends. And there's a piece of me that thinks that I should stay home. Mm. Or maybe it's, I should stay home. Maybe it's a little more extreme. And if we can see both of them and like maybe even journal them, put that on, on paper or just label them in our heads, it's like, okay, are both of those statements true? Yes, they are. And if we can start there and then find compassion, like for ourselves or even think about a friend and like, yeah, if my friend told me that they were feeling both of these things, I would say, yeah, it makes sense that you want to go out now. So mostly I was just saying that the first, the first thing that I often do with clients is start by acknowledging the both and, Mm -hmm. um, and recognizing that if there's a part of me that wants to stay home and a part of me that wants to go out and some clients may not come in using parts language and that makes sense. Like 
oh, I really want to go out with my friends, but I also think I should stay home is helping them identify that those are two different feelings, two different statements, and kind of putting them on paper and being able to look at them and say, okay, are both of these statements true for you? Mm. And if they're both true, then they're both valid. And we can insert the, okay, I want to go out with my friends and I want to stay home. And just really bring in some compassion for the multiplicity, the duality that exists. And oftentimes I find that some clients have a difficult time accessing compassion. Mm. I care. They're like, what is self-compassion? What is self-kindness? And so whether they're writing this down or doing this, this in their head, I encourage them to imagine a friend or someone that's close to them and say, okay, if a friend said this to you, would you say, no, you should stay home with your kid. <laughs> like you're not even allowed to think about right. going out right now. Right. Or would you say like, go out, your kid doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And like, depending on how close you are with a friend, like I, it may be different, but the idea is that a friend would likely allow you to have both. Right. Um, and so how can you bring that kindness back towards yourself? And if we can just develop an awareness of the fact that there's multiple pieces, there's multiple parts, then there can maybe be some more exploration into, okay, where do some of these more extreme views come, come in? Like the part that says you shouldn't take care of yourself. You should just focus on your kid. Um, Or the part that says that you should go out, like Mm -hmm. just, as we can start to notice that there's multiple parts of us that feel different things that think different things yeah, that you can maybe get to the point and start examining with some curiosity, like, Oh, like what is actually happening here? Right. Um, I think that that's so wonderful that you do implement it in your work and have furthered your training, because I can see how this is so beneficial to the working mom mm -hmm. or, when mom has been like out on maternity leave and she's getting ready to go back to work. And yeah. you know, we often hear them saying, you know, I, I don't pick them up until like five and they have to go down at seven. It only gives me two hours. And what if yeah. they hit me? And um, ones who really like neglect themselves and have put themselves on the back burner and, and this approach and the way it's helping them kind of think about like that self-compassion and both existing and exploring all of the different parts is a great way to help them even before those transitions been, begin. Mm-hmm. And just like when the thoughts start to show up. Absolutely. And it's actually really interesting because I've always been somewhat interested in IFS and I became more intrigued by it because as I've worked and kind of um, networked with you and other PMHCs, I hear this language all the time. Um, Like so many um, clinicians in the perinatal community are already acknowledging the both and, and this just (laughs) gave me a little more space to be like, oh, like connect it um, and apply it. Once you um, do like finish all of the training. Are you going to provide some trainings for us? <laughs> I could maybe do that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. the mother centric or not, it's the mother centric approach, um, family tree wellness. 
they're actually coming out with a book and they're doing a lot of really great work um, on parts work in moms. Um, And I would definitely want to, after I do all the training, just talk more about how this can really be implemented. Now, speaking of, you have some upcoming groups um, at the end of the month. Can you tell us a little bit about that and where people can go sign up? Yeah, I have some upcoming workshops. Um, So this is actually with one of my other colleagues that I met with. I met through like a, uh, we studied for the PMHC together (laughs) over Zoom. Um, And her name is Jane Johnson Wall. And so what we are doing is we have come together and um, we are offering free downloadables for moms. Mm -hmm. Um, Like one on postpartum planning, planning, um, tips for self-care, tips for new moms, all really grounded in this idea of self-compassion, taking care of yourself, an awareness of this really big matrescence transition. Um, And we also have a workshop coming up at the end of the month, which I will say may be postponed. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's really just postpartum planning with a really big focus on how to support mom birthing parents through this transition. Cause I find, and I know so many of us find that um, postpartum planning is kind of like, Oh, like what does the nursery look like? Yeah. Do we have enough clothes? Right. Um, and so what we're really trying to do is talk about, like, how do you maximize your support system? How do you get more sleep? How do you really tune into what you need and have an awareness of so much of what we're talking about before this actually happens? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm of the impression that, especially when we go into having our first child, um, there are some things that you just don't know until you know. Right. And it can be so helpful that even if you don't, that it's less about not knowing until you know, it's not feeling it. Um, And so the idea is like giving as much information up front about this is a big transition. There are likely to be parts of you that feel like this and that feel like this. How do we incorporate all of it? Mm -hmm. And if you don't feel like that, that's okay too. But knowing that there is likely for most women, there is a push pull experience right. after having a baby, whether that's your first or your third. Right. Um, and then we're in the process of working on a back to work transition. Oh, um, workshop. Yeah. Cause I find that there's, there's two sides of that, which is one, what you're talking about that a lot of moms especially in our society or like, I'm not ready to go back to work. I'm no. going back sooner than I want to. There's, I'm going to put in a little acknowledgement here that I could go on a soapbox about how like parental leave is not enough. <laughs> All of these pieces in there. So there's kind of some anger and frustration around that. Um, and like, I should be home with my kids. I pick them up at five and then I only have two hours. Yeah. And then there's the other side of that, that I find especially talking about working moms in modern society that like women have made so much progress and they're developing these leadership roles and doing so well. And then they're trying to figure out like how, 
how am I supposed to work mm -hmm. the same? Right. And be super after having a kid. Yeah. Right. Um, and that there are some parents that are trying to find a balance between both and how that feels really hard. And so we just want to bring some more um, validation and kind of normalcy to, okay, these are some concepts to think about. You have to maybe redefine what balance looks like, redefine what success looks like, um, and really incorporate all of those different things for moms just to have a greater awareness. And I know that there's so much education out there um, and just trying to compile it a little bit. I love so all it's easier of to access. Yeah. yeah, like it's so, such great, like the freebies, the workshops, um, such very great topics for people who are definitely having a difficult time. And I can also see how it's been beneficial because you know how there's some moms that may felt like, well, I didn't have any postpartum depression. I didn't have any postpartum anxiety. And then it might not be until transitioning back to work that they're like, this mm -hmm. is difficult. So the being yeah. like some support language strategies to help them with that. So if they wanted to sign up or get the freebies, where do they go? Um, you can go to my website, likeamother.com slash resources. Mm. Um, and all of it will, will be there for you. Um, yeah. And I really want to lean into what you were saying about giving giving moms and parents more, more accessibility. Mm -hmm. Um, and especially one of the things that I'm shifting towards is as much as I'm certified in perinatal mental health, I've been identifying a little more as just like a motherhood therapist. Okay. <laughs> um, and because the perinatal period is so important. There is so much there. Um, and there's, also the idea that motherhood is just ongoing transitions that are almost never ending. I mean, parenthood, like the transition back to work at three months or six months or wherever it is and how that brings up a lot. And then like your kid's a toddler and that brings up a lot. And then like your kid is ever changing. Right. And so it's almost like we're running this marathon that never ends. Um, and so trying to provide expansive support throughout that whole experience, um, as much as it's needed in this one part, that it's also needed in all the others too. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on and sharing yeah. all of this wise information. I'm going to link your website, your resources page on our show notes, as well as um, you're on social media, right? I am. I am not very active. <laughs> I, I have a, uh, I guess I could say that there is a part of me that really wants to dig in. And there is a part of me that knows that uh, when I do that, I get a little too caught up. <laughs> oh, no, no. I get it. I get yeah. it. I totally relate. <laughs> yeah. And so there's this, this other part. It's like, no, we'll just we'll post once every month, even though that does not do anything for my uh, traction. <laughs> no, I, I totally get it. Um, but if any rate, if anyone wants to book an appointment with you or follow along to just keep updated on your offerings, 
I'm going to link all of that information so people can find you. And thank you for all the work that you're doing. Thank you for the, the contribution that you are providing to our community. And thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you.